In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. This is the last Sunday of Epiphany. So we have uh, Tuesday, Mardi Gras, or Shrove Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. So we just have these last two days to really think about and contemplate on uh, what it means that Jesus has manifested himself, that God has made himself known to us and to his people. And we have uh, this preeminent example, this uh, highest example of the transfiguration where uh, Jesus reveals himself as God uh, in flesh uh, to be the, the last focus, the last uh, time that we really stop and, and, and focus upon this uh, liturgically as a church. And when we hear that we're supposed to be listening to the Lord, uh, that is the beginning then for us of repentance, because uh, we listen to lots of other voices. Right? Or am I the only one? We listen to lots of other voices. And so repentance means saying, oh, I'm not going to listen to that voice anymore. I'm going to listen to the Lord's voice. And that's our focus here at the end of this season of Epiphany. Jesus goes apart to pray in St. Mark's Gospel. We hear six days afterward. After what? After he had told the disciples about his impending crucifixion. And you remember how that went over. He says, I'm going to die. And they say, oh no, Lord, don't, don't do that. And he says, yes, I'm going to die. And you are too. So it was a really wonderful time for them, right? They loved to hear about the Lord dying, and then them, themselves were going to die. Uh, no, this was a, a, a tragic shock to them, that Jesus was going to be crucified, and he tells them, you too are going to have to take up your cross. And so after this revelation is when Jesus goes up on the mountain apart to pray and he takes these three disciples with him, Peter, James, and John, that formed this very, inters, this very um, inner circle of membership. You know, there's these concentric circles that we have in the Gospels. Peter, James, and John are these very close. Uh, then we have the 12, and then we have the 70, and then we have the 120. Is this because there's something secret that they know that the rest don't? No, because St. Peter tells us everything it is that he saw, and he explains to us what it is that he saw on the mountain. Uh, what it is is that we don't have that ability to come into a deep understanding, uh, but as we approach the truth of who God is, is and because saint peter and james and john had come a little bit closer to understanding uh, what that meant that christ was going to die he takes them up and shows them a little bit more about uh, who he is and he does this in prayer what we see jesus do is uh, what we're all called to do which is that uh, when we pray a window of heaven is opened when we pray for Holy Communion, you'll remember those words uh, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. The windows of heaven are opened at Holy Communion. When we pray, a small window of heaven is open. And maybe for some of us that window is uh, just open momentarily like a pinprick of light. Uh, maybe if we can hold it for a little while, it's like the size of a pea and we just know that little warm feeling of the, the glory of God or the presence of the Holy Spirit and maybe that, that joy and that love spreads a little bit further. For Christ, when he prays, that window of heaven is open so wide that it goes to the very extremities of his body and so the glory of God shines 
white upon him. And it goes even past his clothes and even past that so that this window in heaven is open to the point where the disciples are able to see into heaven and they're able to see who it is that the Lord is talking to. And now we get a window into heaven to know a little bit about uh, what happens when we die, what happens when we lose these bodies. Indeed, we're not dead, but we're alive. What is it that Elijah and Moses are doing? They're participating with Christ in his salvation. This is what we do when we're the church expectant. When we lose these bodies and we go to heaven. We're not in this place where it's all sun and light and and, and happiness and there's no tears. Because it's not the second coming yet. All things have not transpired. There is still sorrow uh, and uh, suffering in the world. And the church in heaven still knows that. Elijah and Moses are talking with Jesus about what it is that he's going to do in the crucifixion. They're talking about the path to Jerusalem. They're talking about the sacrifice that he's going to have to make. So they are fully aware and cognizant and participating in Christ's path to Jerusalem. Just as when we lose our bodies, we will still be fully cognizant and aware and participating in the path of salvation for those that we know and love. Our prayers do not lose effectiveness. They grow in effectiveness as we're in heaven and participating in that church expectant. And that's the window that Christ opens for us. And then, of course, Peter is is shocked. He's perplexed by this. He doesn't know uh, what to say. And this is when the voice from heaven comes. This is when God the Father speaks. And he says, clearly, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listening to the Lord is what Elijah needed to do again. He needed to listen to the Lord because he had been listening to those things that caused him fear and that made him think that he was alone. Elijah was a prophet in that northern kingdom of Israel. You remember that after King Solomon, there's a civil war and there's a division in the nation of Israel. You remember that that northern kingdom gets called Israel and the southern kingdom Judah where Jerusalem is. And after this civil war, the northern kingdom of Israel begins to fight with their northern neighbor, the Syrians. And this is the time when Elijah is alive and they're battling uh, this uh, northern kingdom of Israel with the Syrians. And the king, of course, is not only not following the Lord, but he's married a uh, pagan uh, by the name of Jezebel, who has been introducing pagan practices, the practices of Baal, right? And uh, all of the pagan ritual that goes with that. And so, of course, when Elijah goes to them and he says, follow the Lord, be obedient to him, live in his righteousness, he has the same response that many of us will have. When we go to people and we say, repent of the evil that you've done and walk with the Lord, they're going to be angry. And some of them will want to kill us for that. This is what happens to Elijah. He goes to Ahab and Jezebel. He says, repent. They say, we're going to kill you for that. And what does he do? He runs from them, right? And then he feels like he's totally isolated and alone, perhaps. And he's in this cave and he's waiting, perhaps, to die. This is what happens when we listen to fear. When we listen to the voices of fear in our world. And those voices of fear have never been louder than they are today. Why? Because we bring them into our homes and we put them in our hands and we turn them on. We turn up the volume. And what are they doing? They're saying, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And then buy this product, right? Or do this thing or join this group in order to end your fear. So we have a whole industry of fear that we invite into our lives. And the Lord says, maybe you're waiting for 
some big fantastic thing in your life. You're waiting for an earthquake or some big flood or something, right? Maybe you think that you're Noah. Don't we do this? We say, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do as long as you give me this sign, right? What does that do? That puts us above the Lord. So we say, okay, I'm going to tell you what to do, God. And then if you, t- if you do this, then I'll be obedient to you. Right? So I'll be God for a minute, tell you what to do, and then you get to be God for a minute. How well does that work? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so the Lord says, I'm not going to talk to you in an earthquake. I'm not going to talk to you in fire. I'm going to whisper. Because he's a good father. Good fathers know if we say, be quiet. Don't be so loud. Our children say, okay. But if we whisper, we lean in. And that's what the Lord wants us to do with him. He wants us to lean in and listen carefully, paying close attention. Right? When somebody is whispering to us, we're trying to hear every word. And that's the attitude that the Lord wants us to have, to listen to every word. And then he's going to tell us what to do. And you notice that he doesn't say, okay, I'm going to remove Ahab from the throne, and I'm going to take care of Israel, I'm going to do all this stuff, because none of that was really Elijah's business, right? How many people were worshiping the Lord? That wasn't his business. That's the Lord's business. The Lord says, I have people, right? I have those that have not bent the knee. They're mine. You've got your work to do. And of course, the first work that he has them do is go to their enemies in Syria and anoint a king. How much do you think he wanted to do that? Go to the northern country of Syria to those enemies of the Lord and anoint for them a king. Not at all. Isn't that just like the Lord? I know you're afraid. I know you think you're alone. You're not, by the way. You need to listen to my voice. And here's what I want you to do. This very specific thing. You're going to go and anoint the king. He doesn't then promise, and then this king is going to do everything you want him to do. He's saying the king is going to do what I want him to do for my purposes. And so he sends Elijah to do these very specific acts, even anointing his own replacement. So he's saying somebody's going to take over for you. You need to get that person ready because you won't be here long. We won't be here long. We need to be at work for our replacements. And this is exactly what St. Peter is doing. St. Peter is saying, I don't have long. I've only got a minute. You need to know that what we saw, we really saw. It's true. And he's showing the people of God, the first thing you have to do is trust in Holy Scripture. If you start thinking that Holy Scripture is made up, if you start thinking that it's mythology, you're not going to listen to it and you're going to be just as confused and afraid as you were before. So the first thing you need to know is that Scripture comes from God, that it's not up to you to interpret it, right? 
This is why when we do Bible study of Jesus the Good Shepherd, what do we do? If we're looking to find out about uh, people moving through a body of water, what do we do? We look to find, is there any other place in Scripture where people move through a body of water? We always look to Scripture to interpret Scripture, right? That's the first thing we do. And then we ask, how is the church always taught about this? Because there's been Christians in every century and every place that have interpreted the Word of God. And if we start thinking that we know better than people in the second or third century, that we've got some special knowledge now that we have airplanes, right? That we now know better what those Christians knew in Syria in the second century, we're confused. So we need to know what Christians have always said about Holy Scripture. And this is what St. Peter is saying. Listen to what I'm telling you it means. And so when the people are willing to listen to the Lord, he says what? He says, pay attention. Pay attention. The Lord said, listen to my son. And we do that by going apart in prayer and reading God's word. Every day. Going apart in prayer and reading God's word. Jesus is always going off apart always over and over in the gospels he goes off to pray how much more do we need to do that if the son of god if god himself in the flesh needed to go away to pray how much more do we need to turn off all that noise turn it off turn it off if we're listening to fear more than hope, guess what we're going to be? Afraid. Turn it off. And listen to the Lord. Because He will give you hope and love and light. And the more that we pray, the bigger that window is in our hearts. And the more His glory shines forth in our lives. And what we say in what we do, and in who we are. May that window grow in our hearts and in our community in this place more and more every day.